0: CHAPTER Seven OF NON-COMBATANTS AND OTHERS BY ROSE McCauley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anthony Ogus Hospital About a week later, Alex and Noni McClure went to see Basil Doy in hospital. Hate hospitals, don't you? Noni remarked as they entered its precincts. I've a VAD V.A.D.ing here, Peggy, you know her. She's having a 3 months course, but I've not been to see her yet. I can't remember her ward. It's a men's surgical, I think. We'll go and find her afterwards. I don't think she'll be able to stick her three months because of her feet. They swell up so. They make the nurses stand all the time, you know, even when they're doing needlework and things. She says half the nurses in the hospital have foot and leg diseases. Silly, isn't it? The VADs could sit down sometimes, but they don't like to when the regulars, ma'int. They're unpopular enough as it is. Peggy asked the staff nurse in her ward why all the nurses didn't combine, and asked to have the standing room altered. But she only said you can't get hospital rules altered. They are like that. Nurses must be idiots. They crossed the court that led to the wing with the officers' wards it was dotted with medical students rabbits noni considered them all that are left of them i suppose peggy says they're mostly rather rotters they have a great time with the nurses one of them tried to have a great time with peggy the other day but she wasn't having any they're all family wing we want don't we darwin lister no that must be men of science i suppose that's ours up those stairs It was one of those hospitals in which the wards are named after persons socially or intellectually eminent. In the wing Noni and Alex wanted, the wards were entitled Victoria, Albert, Edward, Alexandra, Princess Mary, George, and so forth. One, named doubtless in happier international times, was even called Wilhelm. Out of Wilhelm, as they passed its glass door, came four figures, white-clad from head to foot, wheeling a stretcher on which lay a round-faced little girl of sixteen, trying to smile. Going down to the theatre, Noni whispered, rather shuddery, isn't it? 2. They entered Albert Edward, which was a small ward of twelve beds, used just now for officers. It smelt of iodoform. Several of the beds had visitors round them. Some of the patients were in wheeled chairs, smoking. One in bed was singing unintelligibly in a high, shrill voice. At the table by the centre window, two nurses stood, a probationer and a VAD, making swabs and talking. They looked tired and were very young. The other two nurses, the staff nurse and the super, were talking to two of the patients. They had learnt not to look so tired also perhaps the pleasant excitement of being in albert edward bore them up the staff nurse said mr Doy, that's his bed over there nine he's up in a chair this afternoon he's in pretty bad pain most of the time they may have to amputate but the doctor hopes to manage without alex and noni went across the ward to nine where mr Doy, in a brown dressing gown sat in a wheeled chair smoking a cigarette and talking to the super who was rather nice-looking and had auburn hair. In the next bed lay the singer with fixed blue eyes and flushed cheeks and a capilline bandage round his head carolling German songs in a high monotonous voice. Quite delirious, poor thing, the super explained to the visitors. His nerves are all to bits. He was a prisoner till he got exchanged and would you believe it, they never taken the shrapnel out of his head. "'He went under operation for it here last week.' "'She moved away, whispering first to Noni behind the patient's back. "'He has to be kept pretty quiet, please. "'The pain gets bad on and off.'
1: "'Hello,'
0: said Basil Doye, smiling to them. "'This is great.' "'He had a soft, rather quick way of speaking. "'Today he was huskier than usual, perhaps because he was ill.' He was long and slim. He had used in pre-war days to lounge and slouch, but possibly did that no more. Anyhow, today he merely lay limply in a chair so they could not judge. His long pale face and flexible mouth and dark eyebrows were always moving and changing. So were his rather bright eyes that kept shading and glinting from green to hazel. His forehead and rumpled hair were damp just now, either from the heat or from some other cause. His bandaged right hand was raised in a sling. You do look an old wreck, said Noni frankly. What did you go and do it for? A silly way of getting wounded, I call it, playing ball with bombs? Rotten, wasn't it? But it would have played ball with me if I hadn't. It was bound to go off in a moment, you see, and I naturally tried to house it with the foe first. One often can. My mistake, I know. These little things will happen. I say, you're the first people I've seen from the shop. How's it going? Who are the good people this year? They began to tell him. He listened, fidgeting with restless eyes. Have a smoke, he broke in. No, I suppose you mustn't hear. Sorry. "'Didn't mean to interrupt. "'They were talking about the exhibition in Grafton Street. "'I must get round there,' he said, "'when I'm not so tied by the leg. "'How long will they keep you here, do you imagine?' Heaven and earthly. "'They may be depriving me of a finger or two in a few days, or not. "'They don't seem to know their own minds about it.' "'Good Lord,' murmured Noni, taken aback. "'I say, don't let them. You you'd miss them so halli hallo halli hallo by ons geht's immer so, shrilled number eight Doy moved impatiently he ought to be taken away poor beggar i loathe hospitals people who are ill oughtn't to be with other people in the same miserable condition it's too depressing one wants the undamaged as an antidote that's why visitors are so jolly his restless eyes glanced at Noni's dark glowing brilliance in her yellow frock and at Alex, pale and cool and thin in green. Above all, he added, one wants sanity and normalness and cheeriness, not people with their nerves in rags like that poor chap. H broke out again, half singing, half humming some student's chorus. thra la in di nacht, the auburn-haired nurse came and stood by him for a moment, quietening him. "'Come now, come now, you must be quiet, you know.' "'Rather a pleasant person, that nurse,' said Doy, when she had gone. "'Jolly hair, hasn't she?' "'Alex,' he added, "'do you know, you don't look up to much. "'Is it overwork or merely the air of London in June?' "'It's the air of hospitals, I expect,' Noni answered for her. She turned white directly we got into the ward. Beastly places, Basil agreed. Alex began to talk rather fast. She told stories of the other people at the art school. Noni joined in and they made Basil laugh. He talked too, also fast. His unhurt hand drummed on the arm of his chair. His forehead grew damper. His eyes shifted about under his black brows. He talked nonsense, absurdly. They all did. They all laughed, but Basil laughed most. He laughed too much. He said it was a horrible bore out there. Funny, of course, in parts, but for the most part irredeemably tedious, and no reason to think it would ever end, except by both sides just getting too tired of it to go on. Idiotic business, chucking bombs over into trenches full of chaps you had no grudge against, and who wished you no ill and they chucking bombs at you much more idiotic still the whole thing hopelessly silly haugernacht nacht. Nacht," trilled eight with a nightmare of christmas on him oh damn muttered basil and got scarlet and then white the staff nurse came to them she was not auburn-haired but efficient and good-looking and dark with a clear sharp voice I think your visitors had better go now, Mr. Doy. She made signs to them that he was in pain, which they knew before. They went. He joked as he said goodbye, and they joked back. As they left the ward, Eight's wild voice rose in a sad air they knew. mine beer and Wein, frisch and klar, mein Töchterlein liegt auf der and Bar. Come now, come now, admonished Staff. 3. On the stairs they met a tall woman with a long pale face and black hair, and eyes full of green light. She stopped and said to Alex, "'How do you do? Basil told me you were going to see him today, so I left you a little time. He mustn't have too many at once. He has a lot of pain for so slight a thing. I shall be glad when I can get him away for a change.' Her eyes, looking at Alex's pale face, were kind and friendly. She liked Alex, who was Basil's friend, and had stayed with them last summer in the country. She thought her clever and attractive, if selfish. She hurried on through the glass door into Albert Edward. Mrs. Doy, isn't it? said Noni. Must have been just like him twenty years ago. I say, how sickening, isn't it, people getting smashed up like that? poor old basil all on edge i thought didn't you what rot he talked i say if he loses those fingers it will be all up with his career i don't expect he will she shot a glance at alex whom she suspected of feeling faint let's come and find peggy i haven't earthly where her ward is it's called after some man of science but there are so many of these and all are so much alike if it was painters said noni presently i might have remembered who are the men of science darwin suggested alex intelligently galileo sir isaac newton sir oliver lodge lots more well let's try this passage they tried it it led them on and on it looked wrong but might be right in such a strange world as a hospital where anything may be right or wrong and you never know till you try They saw at last, ahead of them, a closed door, not a glass door, but a baize one. From behind it screaming came, wild, shrill, desperate, as if someone was being hurt to death. "'Oh, Lord,' said Noni, "'it's a theatre. Look, it's written on the door. Come away quick. There must be an operation on.' Beyond the door there was a shuffling and scuffling. It was pushed open and two figures muffled in white like the stretcher women dragged out a red cross girl in a faint. "'Fetch her some water,' said one. "'Idiot, why didn't she come out before she went off? "'These red cross girls. All right, she's coming round.' "'I say, you know, you mustn't do that again. "'People are supposed to come out of the theatre before they faint, not after. "'It's an awful crime. "'Is it your first operation?' "'Well, it was silly of them to send you down such a bad one. "'I expect the screaming upset you. "'She didn't feel anything, you know. "'Here, drink this. "'You're all right now, aren't you? "'I must get back. "'You'd better go up to your ward and ask your sister "'if you can lie down for a bit.' Alex and Noni had retreated down the passage. "'What a place!' Alex was muttering savagely. "'Oh, what a place!' They came out on a different staircase. Fleeing down it, they were in a corridor, long and unhappy, and full of hurrying-house surgeons and nurses and patients' friends, for it was visiting hour. 4. Huxley, said Noni suddenly. That's the creature's name. I say, she accosted a fat little nurse with strings. Where's Huxley, please? Huxley was far away they reached it through many labyrinthine and sad ways through the glass door they saw a keen-faced doctor going from bed to bed with an attendant group of satellites medical students who laughed at intervals because he was witty either about the case in hand or about some other amusing cases this one recalled to his memory or at the foolish answers elicited from some student in response to questions they were a cheery set and this doctor was a wit. Every few minutes he washed his hands. The ward sister companioned him round, and by the window stood four nurses at attention, the staff nurse, the probationer, and two VADs with red crosses on their aprons. It was a men's surgical ward. It was long and light, and had twenty-one beds and cot. Cot was in the middle of the ward, He was there and had peritonitis of the stomach and he sat up on his pillow and wept and wailed at intervals. "'Want to do home! Want to do home!' "'You're not the only one, Sonny,' Number 3 told him bitterly. "'We all want that!' Twenty-one sad faces apathetically testified to his truthfulness. Twenty-one weary sick men, whose rest had been broken at dawn, because the night nurses had to wash them all before they went off duty, and that meant beginning at 3.30 or 4, stared with sad, hollow eyes, and wanted to go home. The doctor washed his hands for the last time, and went, his satellites after him. The probationer respectfully opened the door for them. Noni and Alex stood back out of the way as they passed. Then Noni's Peggy, who had seen them long since, "'came and fetched them in. "'I am glad to see you,' she said. "'Noni said, "'You look dead, my child.' "'And she returned, "'Oh, it's only the standing. "'We're all in the same box. "'She,' she indicated the probationer, "'fainted this morning, "'and the staff nurse "'has the most awful varicose veins. "'I believe most nurses "'get them sooner or later. "'They ought to be let to sit down "'when they get a chance "'for sewing and things, "'but hospital rules "'are made of wood and iron.' "'The other Red Crosser and I do sometimes sit when Sister's out of the ward, "'but it's rather bad form, really, when the regulars ma'int. "'Funny places, Hospitals. "'I've been getting into rows this morning for not polishing the brights bright enough. "'Staff told me they had quite upset Sister. "'Sister's very easily upset, unfortunately. "'Staff's a jolly good sort, though. "'But look here, you must go. "'It's time for tea-trays. "'I shall have to be busy.' "'I'll come round tonight after I'm off, Noni, if I can get so far. "'You've got to go now. Staff's looking at us.' They went. Staff called wearily to Peggy. "'Go and help Nurse Baker with trays, will you, dear? "'And you might take Daddy Thirteen's basin away. "'He's done being sick for now, I dare say, "'and he's going to drop it onto the floor in a moment.' Peggy hurried, but was too late. "'These things will happen sometimes.' Five. Hate hospitals, don't you? said Noni, as she had said when they entered. They were going out at the gates now. I suppose they have to be, though. Suppose so, Alex agreed listlessly. Then, with an effort, she threw the hospital off. That's over anyhow. I shan't go again. Let's come and do something awfully different now. They did. Six when alex got back to violette she was met in the little linoleum hall by distress and pity and mrs frampton preparing to break something to her with a kind timid arm round her shoulders dearie there was a telegram you were out so we opened it now you must be ever so brave oh said alex rigid and leaning on her stick and whitely staring from narrowed eyes no oh darling child it's sad news i don't know how to tell you dear you must be brave oh do get on muttered alex rude and sick deary mrs frampton was crying into her handkerchief poor paul your dear little brother dreadfully badly wounded dead alex stated flatly pulling away and leaning against the wall Violette was hot and smelt of food. Florence stumbled up the kitchen stairs with supper. From a long way off, Mrs. Frampton sobbed. The law gave, and the Lord hath taken away. It's the Almighty's will. The poor dear boy has died doing his duty and serving his country. A noble end, dearie. Not a wasted life. Not a wasted "'Alex said it after her mechanically, as if it was a foreign language. "'He died a noble death,' said Mrs. Frampton, "'serving his country in her need.' "'Alex was staring at her with blue eyes, suddenly dark and distended. "'The horror rose and loomed over her, like a great wave, towering, just going to break. "'But—but—but!' she stammered and put out her hands keeping it off but he hadn't lived yet then the wave broke like a storm crashing on a ship at sea it's a lie she screamed give me the telegram it's made up it's a damnable lie the war office always tells them everyone knows it does they gave it to her pitifully she read it three times and it always said the same thing. She looked up for some way of escape from it, but found none, only Violette, hot and smelling of supper, and Mrs. Frampton crying, and Kate with working face, and Evie sympathetic and moved in the background, and Florence compassionate with the supper tray, and a stuffed squirrel in a glass case on the hall table alec shivered and shook as she stood with passion and sickness and loss but but she began to stammer again helplessly like a bewildered child but he hadn't lived yet kate said gently he has begun to live now dear ever and ever Woe without end amen added mrs frampton mopping her eyes alex looked past them at the stuffed squirrel it's just some silly lie of course she said indifferent and quiet but still shaking it will be taken back tomorrow i shall go to bed now when kate brought her up some supper on a tray she found her lying on the floor having abandoned the lie theory having abandoned all theories and all words except only again and again, Paul, Paul, Paul. End of chapter 7